Okay, brothers and sisters, praise us be to our loving Father that we are gathered once again to study his words and his commandments. So we'll continue with the book of Deuteronomy. So last week we left off with Deuteronomy 27, 28. We talked about the curses and the blessings that come along the covenant that Jehovah God made with his people. And so the terms of the covenant is if we obey, we get blessed. But if we disobey, we incur the curses that is found in the book of the law. This is why, as people of God, we need to do our best to listen to the terms of the covenant and be convinced that the best way to carry out our life is to obey Yahuwah's commands because his commands is for our own good. Now, today we're going to talk about what happened after Moses gave the declaration of blessings and curses. So we left off in 28 of Deuteronomy. Let's study now the book of Deuteronomy chapter 29 and the verse is one. These are the terms of the covenant Yahuwah commanded Moses to make with the Israelites while they were in the land of Moab in addition to the covenant he had made with them at Mount Sinai. And so here Moses and the people of Israel, they're in Moab. They're poised to go and enter the promised land. Take note, this is a new generation of Israel. Some 40 years ago in, on Sinai, what, was, what did Yahuwah God do? There on Mount Sinai, Yahuwah established his covenant with Moses and the people of Israel. What happened? How did Yahuwah establish his covenant? He gave the Ten Commandments, and he also performed the ceremony, Moses rather, performed the ceremony of the sprinkling of the blood to confirm and seal the covenant. And so Yahuwah God established what is called the Mosaic Covenant on that day when they were on Mount Sinai. Now they are on the land or the plains of Moab about to enter the promised land. And take note what Moses says that Yahuwah commanded him in addition, right? In addition to the covenant that Yahuwah God made there in Sinai, there's a, co a covenant to be made there in Moab. Now, is this a covenant to replace the Mosaic covenant? No, it is not. As a matter of fact, it's more a reaffirmation of the covenant of Moses together with another covenant. What was that? Let's read Deuteronomy 29, 12 to 13. You are standing here today to enter into the covenant of Yahuwah, your God. Yahuwah is making this covenant, including the curses. By entering into the covenant today, he will establish you as his people and confirm that he is your God. Just as he promised you and as he swore to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And so what is this covenant all about? It's really a reaffirmation, a rededication of the covenant that Jehovah God made with Moses. It was not replaced, but also to reaffirm the covenant that Jehovah God made with who? Abraham. It's called the Abrahamic covenant. Now, the Abrahamic covenant is what was installed even before Moses came to the scene. As a matter of fact, the reason why Moses was called by Yahuwah God was so that the Abrahamic covenant could be 
fulfilled. This is why the people of Israel were set free from Egypt so that they can be brought to the land of promise. The land of promise has its roots in what covenant? The Abrahamic covenant, not the Mosaic covenant. What was the purpose then of the Mosaic covenant? It was to introduce the holiness of Yahuwah God through the ceremonies, the purification ceremonies, and the laws and commandments of Yahuwah. It showed the righteousness and holiness, the standard of God by which we are to conduct our life. That's the Mosaic covenant. It's a conditional covenant. covenant. But the Abrahamic covenant, it included many things, including one. Let's read the book of Genesis 17, 7 to 8. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And I will give the entire land of Canaan, where you now live as a foreigner, to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever. And I will be their God. And so what was included, part, a part of the everlasting covenant that Yahuwah God gave to Abraham. The Bible says that this land where you are in, the entire land of Canaan, is going to be possessed by your descendants. This was a promise that Yahuwah God made. Under what condition did Yahuwah God make this promise? It was under what is called a unilateral covenant. In other words, in this covenant, Yahuwah is making a guarantee because there are no conditions given to Abraham for this covenant to be fulfilled. Hence, it is called an everlasting covenant. The Mosaic covenant is based upon what? Conditions. Conditions have to be met. And the people of Israel cannot meet these conditions. Only Yahushua was able to make all of them or meet all of those conditions, which is why he was needed for the Mosaic covenant to be satisfied. However, this covenant with Abraham, it was everlasting. And so there was nothing really that Israel can do to mess it up. And so in this covenant that Yahuwah God made with, the, with Abraham is that eventually his descendants will inherit the entire land of Canaan. And so what did that encompass? Let's read Genesis 15, 18 to 19. So Yahuwah made a covenant with Abram that day and said, I have given this land to your descendants all the way from the border of Egypt to the great Euphrates River, the land now occupied by the Kenites, Canizites, and Cadmonites. And we can look at other scriptures to kind of locate the boundaries of the promise, the unconditional covenant that Yahuwah God made to Abraham, which included the land that is to be given to the descendants of Abraham. When we look at the borders, the completion of the covenant included all this territory, the full promised land of Israel as recorded in Genesis. When you look at that map, do you, do you see where Israel is at? Where is Israel today? Even, and when was Israel during the days of 
uh, the kings or the prophets during the days of Solomon and David and Saul. If you can look at the map, you notice, see if this works. So during uh, the days of Israel, Israel only occupied this much. You see that? Very tiny part of the full portion, the full promised land that Jehovah God gave to Abraham. And then today, where is the tiny land that belongs to Israel, the state of Israel today? It's even smaller than that, somewhere there, right? And so when we look at the land promised by Yahuwah God to give to the descendants of Abraham, we know this covenant has yet been, has yet to be fully fulfilled, right? There's still events that will take place so that this event will be fully fulfilled. This is why when we look at Deuteronomy chapter 29, people call this or refer to this as the Palestinian covenant. Now, does it mean the word, I mean, the actual word Palestine is not there, right? It doesn't mention Palestine because back then it was not called Palestine. It was only in the first century AD when the name Palestine really emerged. And so when we look at Palestine, it basically describes this entire piece of land. It doesn't describe Palestine as we know it today. Palestine, basically the term, does not refer to the promised land per se. Palestine is just a geographical area off to the east of the Mediterranean Sea. It can go all the way out to the Persian Gulf. It derives from the term Philistines. With the geographical area of Palestine, we have the promised land. So the promised land is there within the land of Palestine. This is why the covenant is called Palestinian Covenant. Although that is really inaccurate, it should be called a land covenant. Or it could just be the Abrahamic covenant confirmed or reaffirmed. This is why in Deuteronomy chapter 29, before they entered the land, Moses is telling the people of Israel to prepare so that they will understand the covenant that Jehovah God made with Israel through the Mosaic and the Abrahamic covenant. So according to the Abrahamic covenant, what can the people of Israel expect? In Deuteronomy 30 verse 5, he will bring you to the land that belonged to your fathers, and you will take possession of it. He will make you more prosperous and numerous than your fathers. And so when we think of the complete fulfillment, of the covenant that Yahuwah God made with Abraham. It will include all that land, that territory that we can call, generally speaking, Palestine. But not only that, it will also include the other blessings that eventually will be given to the descendants of Abraham through the Mosaic covenant. So that's in Deuteronomy 30. We're not going to study that today. We're going to study that next week. This is part one of the Palestinian covenant. Next week, we will conclude it with part two of the Palestinian covenant. So what we need to understand with the, this covenant that Jehovah God is making with the people of Israel is that they are going to enter into a covenant that they need, they need to take seriously. And so for them to take it seriously, 
What does Moses remind them of? Deuteronomy 29, 2 to 3, 5 and 6. Uh, Moses summoned all the Israelites and said to them, you have seen with your own eyes everything Yahuwah did in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to his whole country. All the great tests of strength, the miraculous signs, and the amazing wonders. For 40 years, I led you through the wilderness, yet your clothes and sandals did not wear out. You ate no bread and drank no wine or other alcoholic drink, but he gave you food so you would know that he is Yahuwah, your God. And so before Israel, the new generation, would enter the promised land, what did Yahuwah God remind them about? About the faithfulness of Yahuwah in the past. The amazing wonders, miraculous deeds that Yahuwah God did in the past. What were examples of these amazing wonders and miraculous deeds that Yahuwah God performed for his people Israel? Can you give me some examples? It's a good thing Brother Maddie is here. He always has a way to answer these questions, right? Or some of the examples of the miracles that Yahuwah God performed for Israel. Yeah, back to Back then, a long time ago, like during the days of Moses, like this famous sea. Yeah, he divided the Red Sea, he guided him with a pillar of light, with clouds. He defeated the enemies more numerous than they were, right? The miracles that they saw. I mean, if you were alive, you were an Israelite during the days of the Exodus. If you were there with Moses, and you saw this display of power. Would you ever forget that? Would you ever lack faith and trust in God ever? You probably will say, no, I will never lose faith. I will never lose trust in Yahuwah ever again because I saw with my own eyes. This is what Moses is saying. You saw with your own eyes what Yahuwah did. The miracles and wonders. Not only that, Yahuwah gave them shoes. Miraculous shoes, right? Clothes and sandals that did not wear out for 40 years. I don't know if Nike can top that. Can you imagine 40 years of the same shoe for 40 years? That's called a miracle, right? The same clothes for 40 years. That's a miracle too, especially for a lot of us nowadays. Because nowadays we always have something new to wear every day. Right? It's a miracle for someone who will have the same outfit for 40 years. But back then, Yahuwah provided for all that they needed. However, did they trust God? Did they learn to place their faith and hope in God? What is your answer? No. I wonder why. You know, this was always a nagging question in the back of my mind. Because if you were there and you saw all that Yahuwah God did, this is impossible that you will not come to a complete faith and trust in Yahuwah Abba. It's just impossible. It boggles the mind. But why, despite the fact that Yahuwah himself displayed his glorious power and the people saw his miracles, why did they still show a lack of faith and trust and complain against Yahuwah? The answer is here. And I want you to keep this in mind because when we fully understand this, we will learn to develop faith and trust in Abba, okay? What is the reason? Why did they fail? 
to establish trust in Yahuwah God, despite the miracles they saw with their own eyes. Let's read verse 4. But to this day, Yahuwah has not given you minds that understand, nor eyes that see, nor ears that hear. So why were the people of Israel unable to place a complete trust in Yahuwah, despite what they were able to see with their own eyes? Because even though they saw with their eyes, they did not use their mind to understand. They did not use their eyes to see and their ears to hear with understanding. Why? Bible says, if you will look at the passage, Yahuwah did not give it to them. Now you might say, well, isn't Yahuwah to blame for that? No, no, no. Why did Yahuwah not give it to them? Because they were not interested in it. Why would Yahuwah God give the people understanding if they were not interested in it? What they should have done was to ask. What they should have done was to pray for more understanding. But they just did not care about that. What, were, what was the only thing in their mind? What to eat, right? What to wear, and the land. That's the only thing in their mind. They did not really want to have a relationship with Yahuwah. They did not really care. And so they did not want any understanding. For them, it, they just wanted to be spoon-fed. And when you are to be spoon-fed, when you do not pursue righteousness, if you don't pursue understanding, we're not going to be given it. This is why during our times, we need to learn this lesson. Brothers and sisters, in the past five years of our lives, what events have, un uh, have unfolded before us? There's so many things that's happened in the past five years, right? I mean, considering where we came from, what happened to us every step of the way, the prophecies that have been revealed, the name that has been revealed, the formation of the assembly alongside the events taking place today, the pandemic, what else? The escalating war and violence, the natural disasters one after the other. What Yahuwah God wants us to do is not to be passive, but to use our mind and ask our loving father, what do you want me to learn? How can we understand this further? Because if we show no desire to understand, guess what? Yahuwah God is not going to give us an understanding. And so despite what's happening in the world, we will be left without faith and we will not learn to trust. And so, brethren, if we truly want to learn to trust, it begins with a desire to know, to understand, so that we can ask God, loving Father, show me, give me insight to your words and depend on the words of our loving Father. This is what we need to do. And we must learn from what happened in the past so that we can move forward in our faith. And so what's the proof of this? That the people of Israel were not really interested in anything spiritual. For them, it was more material. Let's read 29, 7 to 8. When, he came, when we came here, King Sihon of Heshbon and King Og of Bashan came out to fight against us. But we defeated them. We took their land and gave it to the tribes of Reuben and Gad and to the half-tribe of Manasseh as their grant of land. Here's a miracle that took place. They had no business defeating these mighty kingdoms. But they overthrew them because of the help of Yahuwah. That was a miracle. 
And so when that miracle took place, what should, they, what should have been the proper response? Wow, they should have been in awe with God and they should have this desire to understand him, to know him better. That should be our response when we show, or when we see a display of Yahuwah's awe and power. We need to have this desire to know him better, but that's not what they wanted. Look at the, the Reubenites. Look at Reuben and Gad, the half-tribe of Manasseh. They did not want to go to the promised land, right? They did not want to be with the other Israelites where they can worship together in the temple that is to be built. That shows you they were attracted only in the material, not the spiritual. This is why the understanding wasn't given to them in the first place. And so we need to have that desire to know Abba. We need to have this desire to study the Holy Scripture so that we can know him more and more and be prepared for our salvation. So this is what Moses does. He tells them this is what happened in the past. We need to learn from the past. And so as they enter into this covenant, what is the most important thing about the covenant? Let's read what is recorded in 9 to 11. Therefore, this is his conclusion, right? After he presented the history, he concludes with a therefore, obey. That's the key. Obey the terms of this covenant so that you will prosper in everything you do. All of you, tribal leaders, elders, officers, all the men of Israel are standing today in the presence of Yahuwah, your God. Your little ones and your wives are with you, as well as the foreigners living among you who chop your wood and carry your water. According to scriptures, what is required so that the covenant of Yahuwah God would be beneficial for us. Bible says, obey the terms of the covenant. And to whom did Yahuwah God make a covenant with? Bible says with all of them, right? From the greatest leaders to the lowly servants. It includes the little ones, the wives, and even the ones whom they will enslave to chop their wood. All of them. The covenant was open to all. Yahuwah is interested in making a covenant with all people, including foreigners. The only thing that's important is they must obey the commandments as part of the terms of the covenant. But something interesting Moses adds here, though, because in this prophecy, to whom also? Does Yahuwah God make a covenant with? Let's read 14 and 15. But you are not the only ones with whom I am making this covenant with its curses. And so he wanted, he wanted to emphasize the part with the curses. Part with the blessing don't need emphasizing, but part with the curses because, more, because the people back then, and even today, people are more motivated by the curses they want to avoid than the blessings they can gain, right? You want to avoid pains of getting pleasure. It's that kind of motivation, a carrot and the stick kind of thing. And so in, the, in terms of the covenant, because Yahuwah God wanted them to obey, it was showing them, look at these curses. Make sure you understand the curses as part of the terms of the covenant. And so I'm making this covenant both with you who stand here today in the presence of Yahuwah God and also with the future generations who are not standing here today. Take note. 
the, this is part of the Abrahamic covenant because the, the covenant that Jehovah God made is for Abraham's uh, descendants, right? And when Yahuwah God was speaking to the people of Israel here, those who were included in this covenant, not only were the people back then, but also in the future, the future uh, generation. And for them to succeed in achieving this covenant, Yahuwah uh, uh, God through Moses gives them a warning because there are two things that can derail the people of Israel. You probably know about it already. If there's, if there's one thing they, they need to learn in the past 40 years, what is it? What should they learn? Because they're entering a covenant with Jehovah God. What's the one thing they should have learned already? Because they already saw with their own eyes. What would it be? It's something that we've emphasized again and again. It's something that really, really makes Yahuwah upset and angry. What is it? Yeah, idolatry. Let's read all about that. This is the warning of Yahuwah. Yahuwah wants his people to succeed. He wants to set them up to succeed, not to fail. And so Yahuwah warns them. These are the, the pitfalls. These are the, the, the landmines, the traps. Make sure you remove this so that you will succeed. Yahuwah wants them to succeed. What are they? 16 to 18. For you know that we, what, that we dwelt in the land of Egypt. And that we came through the nations which you passed by. And you saw, you saw their abominations and their idols, which were among them, wood and stone and silver and gold, so that there may not be, not be among you man or woman or family or tribe whose heart turns away today from Yahuwah our God to go and serve the gods of these nations. And there's another one another piece to it, and that there may not be among you a root bearing bitterness or wormwood. Bible says there are two things that is being highlighted here so that they will not stumble. One thing that will really cause them to stumble big time and fall is idolatry. And we've seen this again and again, right? We must not serve other gods. Who is the only God to be served and worship? Yahuwah. You saw with your own eyes, Moses said, that these people that we pass by in the wilderness, they had so many gods. Molech. What's the other one? Baal. Who else? Ashtoreth. Chemosh. There's so many false gods. The Bible says you only have one. Yahuwah, the almighty Abba, is the only one that we are to worship. But there's another one. Because if you still remember last week when we talked about the curses, remember? And the, the specific sins that were highlighted. If you notice the specific uh, sins that were highlighted, the first one was about what? Idolatry. And then the other ones... Or about our relationship with our fellow men. This is why the Bible says, and there, that there may not be among you a root bearing bitterness. And so what Yahuwah God does not want is if there's someone 
who is an idolater and someone who has bitterness or hateful feelings against their fellow brethren. Did you get that? This is why it follows that the remedy, the solution to this are the two greatest commands. Remember what Yahushua said? What are, the two great, what are the two greatest commands? Number one, love Yahuwah with all of your heart, soul, and mind and strength. Because if you love Yahuwah God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you will not serve other gods. What's the second greatest command? To love your neighbor as you love yourself. And you cannot love your neighbor. You cannot love your brother or sister if you have bitterness against them. Right? This is why the Bible says, remove that. It's a root. Remove the root bearing bitterness. That means even one person, a root. Because one person who has bitterness, it will spread throughout the entire nation. Right? A root can affect the entire land. A root can, can affect the entire community and the brotherhood. This is why borrowing this terminology, the apostles... They emphasized this passage during the days of the followers of Yahushua. In Hebrews 12, 14 to 15, work at living in peace with everyone. That's so crucial. That's so important. Especially today, we belong to the assembly of Yahushua. We need to work together as one. And to do that, we have to preserve unity and brotherhood, right? If we have bitterness against one another, will that work? Is that going to work? That's not going to work. And if we will practice bitterness against one another, guess what? Who's going to be upset? Who's going to be angry? It'll be Yahuwah. Because that's a stumbling block. Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other. It doesn't say hurt each other. It doesn't say gossip against each other. Right? Bible says look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. What does the root of bitterness do? It corrupts many. One person, one root can affect so many. This is why one root, one person who has bitterness, it should be addressed. Because if not, it's going to poison the whole group. It will corrupt many. This is why we need to protect ourselves from bitterness. We need to show love for one another. And how is bitterness manifested? Let's read the book of Matthew 5, 22. But now I tell you, who's the one speaking here, by the way? Yahushua, right? In Matthew 5, 21, he says, Yahushua says, in the, in the law of Moses, it says, do not murder, right? And then he adds, but now I tell you, if you are angry with your brother, you will be brought to trial. If you call your brother, you good for nothing, you'll be brought before the council. And if you call your brother a worthless fool, you will be in danger of going to the fire of hell. Here, Yahushua is telling us, Bible says, do not murder. And so we know the spirit of the law. Do not just do, do not just not commit the action of killing, right? Bible says, do not even be angry with your brother. 
Do not even say to your brother, you good for nothing, or to call your brother a worthless fool. Because when you, when you do that, what are you showing? What is it? Such with letter B? Bitterness. Bitterness. Bible says, remove the root of bitterness in Deuteronomy 29. You're going to enter the promised land. You want to succeed. Get rid of idols and idolatry and people who practice idolatry and remove those who practice or show bitterness. Remove that. Otherwise, going to poison the entire community. And so that this is uh, carried out, what else did Moses say? 29, uh, 19 to 21. When such a person hears the words of this oath, he invokes a blessing on himself and therefore thinks, I will be safe. Even though I persist in going my own way, this will bring disaster on the watered land as well as the dry. Yahuwah will never be willing to forgive him. His wrath and zeal will burn against that man. All the curses written in this book will fall upon him. And Yahuwah will blot out his thing from under heaven. Yahuwah will single him out from all the tribes of Israel for disaster. According to all the curses of the covenant written in this book of the law. Here the Bible, Yahuwah God is making the point that even one person, one person can ruin the entire flock. This is why he says, even if there is one person, when such a person who, for example, does not want to remove that bitterness. And he says to himself, I am blessed anyways, but I will do my own thing. But I'm blessed, but I will just do my own thing. Bible says that person will bring disaster on the watered land as well as the dry. In other words, that person will affect everyone, not just himself. Everyone. And so what does Yahuwah God want to do? It needs to be uprooted, the bitterness. What will happen to the person who is stubborn and does not want to listen? The Bible says, if you notice, Yahuwah God will never be willing to forgive him. What else? All the curses written in this book will fall upon him. What else? Blot out his name from under heaven. What else? He will be singled out to bring disaster upon him you when you think about that brothers and sisters we should be concerned you see we can either be a blessing or we can be what a curse if we choose to be a curse by our actions yahuwah god will remove us and we don't want anyone to be under the curse of abba we don't want anyone to be punished by yahuwah god and so brethren as the assembly of Yahushua today, let us learn from this. Let us learn to love each other. Most of all, let us learn to love Yahuwah by worshiping him, not just by ritual, but truly, but truly getting to know him, understanding him, praying to him. Father, help me understand your deep thoughts. Help me know what you're thinking about. When we do that, then it protects us as we journey to the promised land, the real promised land that Yahuwah God is preparing for each and every one of us. Now, after saying this, we all know that Yahuwah God knows everything, right? Does Yahuwah God know that Israel is going to be a disappointment? Yeah, he knew. 
And this is why he already said that in advance. He already said that in advance. What's going to happen to Israel eventually? In 22 to 23, your children who follow you in later generations, foreigners who come from distant lands will see the calamities that have fallen on the land and the diseases with which Yahuwah has afflicted it. The whole land will be a burning waste of salt and sulfur, nothing planted, nothing sprouting, no vegetation growing on it. It will be like the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, Adma and Zeboim, which Yahuwah overthrew in fierce anger. This is really interesting. It's an interesting statement because we all know, because we studied the curses before, in Leviticus 26, Deuteronomy chapter 28, the curses were defined, and we talked about it somewhat last week, but we'll talk, some, uh, talk more about it in the future as we, because we want to identify who the true descendants of Israel are today, right? Because many people think it's the Jewish people who are in Israel today, but we will look at it closely. We will find out who, they, who the real descendants of Israel and Abraham uh, are today. So we're going to trace it by looking at some of the curses that were made. But this is interesting here. You notice verse 23? I mean, this is really the first time something like this is mentioned, right? The whole land will be a burning waste of salt and sulfur, just like what happened when Yahuwah destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Do you still remember what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah? How was it destroyed? Destroyed by fire. It was destroyed by fire, right? The heat of the blast from heaven. It was so great what happened to everything there. It became salt and sulfur. It was so hot. And if you can, if you want, you can look, go back to one of our past episodes about Sodom and Gomorrah. And it, it shows there um, what happened to that land, how it was destroyed, turned to ashes. Mention something like that here. What do you think of today? When you think of a conflagration that will result in burning waste of salt and sulfur, nothing planted, nothing sprouting, no more vegetation growing on it. What do you think about today? <laughs> what comes to mind? Sounds like a nuclear war. Could it be that somehow, some way, eventually, they're in that land in Palestine, in Israel, it could get so bad? It could be decimated with a nuclear blast. Could it be? Well, I don't know. It's just interesting that this is there, right? It's interesting that they will be it will be destroyed um, like the way Sodom and Gomorrah is destroyed. Because, yeah, and what's the reason behind this? Let's read uh, 24 and 26. All the nations will ask. Why has Yahuwah done this to this land? And so there will be survivors, right? And they're all going to look at Israel and to the land, specifically to the land, why this fierce burning anger? And the answer will be it is because this people abandoned the covenant of Yahuwah, the God of their fathers, the covenant he made with them when he brought them out of Egypt. 
They went off and worshiped other gods and bowed down to them. Gods they did not know, gods he had not given them. What was the reason behind the burning anger of Jehovah God? It's because the covenant was abandoned, right? And what did Yahuwah decree concerning Israel? 29, 27, 28. Therefore, Yahuwah's anger burned against this land so that he brought on it all the curses written in this book. In furious anger and in great wrath, Yahuwah uprooted, uprooted them from their land and thrust them into another land as it is now. And so Yahuwah God is already prophesying what's going to happen. They'll be uprooted. They're going to be sent into captivity, right? Because they have disobeyed the terms of the covenant that Jehovah God made through Moses. And so they would be decimated. And the curses that were part of the terms of the covenant, all of it now will be fulfilled in the land of Israel. Because they broke the covenant. But because of the Abrahamic covenant. Yahuwah God. Will do something. What will he do? Yahuwah reached out his hand. And restored his people. And the temple was rebuilt in Jerusalem. Because Israel became captured right they were captured they were enslaved by first by assyria eventually by by babylon and we know what happened there god used as an instrument a man from the north what's his name cyrus right and israel the remnant of israel they were allowed to return to the land and to rebuild the temple and so this happened and when this happened, Yahuwah God allowed the people of Israel to be given the chance so that the Abrahamic covenant would be fulfilled completely. And so when the people of Israel were restored to the land and the temple was rebuilt, for them to have this peace, Yahuwah God presented to them the solution. To all of their problems. Who is that? Who is that solution? Yahusha. Yahusha. The root of Jesse. He would be the one to usher in the millennial kingdom. The kingdom promised. So that they would finally have the completion of the Abrahamic covenant. Well, what did, they, what did they do, the people of Israel, to the solution that Yahuwah presented to them? This is what it says in Luke 19, 41 and 44. Now as he drew near, this is Yahusha, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, if you had known, even you, especially in this your day, this was the day. This was supposed to be the coronation day. They were supposed to crown Yahusha as their king. This is why he set it up so that the people who were reading the Bible will understand that this is the day when he was supposed to be proclaimed as king of the Israelite people. This was it. 
If they were just reading the Bible and seeking the understanding of Abba, they would have seen it. But look what Yahushua said. But Yahushua, Yahushua says, if you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they had they are hidden from your eyes. Want to pause there for a while? Why was it hidden from their eyes? Because they did not want to see it. They had no desire. They did not learn that. Moses said up to this day, Yahuwah God did not give you a mind that understands and eyes that see and ears that hear because you never asked. This was their chance to proclaim that Yahushua is the Messiah, but they were not interested. They were not. And so when he came, what did they do? For the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side. And level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another. Because you did not know the time of your visitation. This was it. This could have been their liberation day. The day of peace. When they would make Yahusha king. Yahuwah gathered the remnants. Those who were held captive in Babylon. So that they will be given this opportunity to proclaim Yahusha to be the king. But they wasted it, right? And so what happened to them? Again, they, they lost the land. And even when they were restored to their land, they really had no dominion over the land. Because they were under the jurisdiction of Rome, right? The Roman Empire. And so the Abrahamic covenant has yet to be fulfilled. And so Israel, they were removed this from the land. They were removed and they no longer were there in, in uh, Jerusalem. But what was the Abrahamic covenant? The Bible says he will bring you to the land that belonged to your fathers and you will take possession of it. He will make you more prosperous and more numerous than your fathers. This was the Abrahamic covenant. And we're, it's not yet fulfilled. It awaits fulfillment. When the descendants of Abraham, the descendants of Israel, when they will occupy the territory that was promised by Yahuwah God through his friend Abraham, will be finally and fully fulfilled. It will be fulfilled because it's a, an, an everlasting covenant. But how will it be fulfilled? Remember, the first time Yahuwah reached out his hand to give them the opportunity to accept Mashiach, it did not work out. But Yahuwah is going to do one more thing. Isaiah 11, 10, 12. In that day, the root of Jesse, who is the root of Jesse? Yeah. Will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his place of rest will be glorious. In that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to reclaim the remnant that is left of his people from Assyria, from Lower Egypt, from Upper Egypt, from Cush, from Elam, from Babylonia, from Hamath, and from, what does it say? The islands. Of the sea, 
he will raise a banner for the nations and gather the exiles of Israel. He will assemble the scattered people of Judah from the four quarters of the earth. Bible says, first time didn't work out well, right? They rejected Mashiach. What did Yahuwah God say? Bible says Yahuwah will reach out his hand. What does it say? A second time. He will again gather the exiles from the different places they were scattered in. Syria, Lower Egypt, Upper Egypt, Kush, Elam, Babylonia, Hamath, islands of the sea. This is why, brethren, in our future studies, we're going to look. We're going to look for where the people of Israel were scattered about. Because one particular place that's mentioned throughout Scripture is a place called the islands of the sea. We know where that is. That is Ophir. And we will study all about that because something exciting is opening up. Because when we study and look for the true people of Israel, you might be shocked, but we don't want to say anything right now. You have to wait until later on before we fully disclose these things we're going to share with all of you. One thing we know is before this will take place, before the exiles of Israel will be gathered again, before this takes place, what has to happen first? In Deuteronomy, he brought on it all the curses written in this book. And so all the curses that Jehovah God mentioned, that has to first be fulfilled before that can take place, before Deuteronomy 30, which is what we will study next week, part two of the Palestinian covenant. We will study next week because before that can take place, the curses have to first be completed. And what's included in it? There could be many things included in it. And what we need to understand about the events taking place today is, it, is that we have to seek understanding from who? Yahuwah. That's what we need. We cannot simply be passive. We cannot wait passively. Yahuwah God wants us to ask him to understand what all of this is all about. Like what's happening today, Palestine and Israel. Brethren, this could be a trigger to something bigger. This could be a trigger to what the Bible talks about a war in Israel described in Ezekiel 38 and 39. We're not going to go there today. We'll go there next time. This is why we need to ask for the understanding the insight that comes from Yahuwah Abba, because the events today that are taking place, Yahuwah God wants to prepare us. But for us to be fully prepared, what must we do? Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to Yahuwah our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. The Bible says... But when all these things are happening, we need to 
focus on the things which have been revealed. Brethren, where have they been revealed? Where? The Bible. There's so many prophecies that have yet to be fulfilled. In the Old Testament, like in Ezekiel, which we will study together with Deuteronomy 30 next time. There's so many things that need to be fulfilled. They have been revealed. But we have to take the time to look at them. And as we look at them, what should we ask? Father, please give us the understanding. Give us a mind that understands. Eyes that see. Ears that hear. Because if we will not ask for Yahuwah Abba's help, then the deep things, the deep thoughts of God will not be revealed to us. We have been given the written word. It's called the Bible. But we need the spirit of Yahuwah so that we can understand his deep thoughts and plans and purpose for our life through the written word. And so collectively, we should pray for that brethren. We need to ask all of us as an assembly. We need to ask Yahuwah Abba that he will, through his spirit, show to us, reveal to us what we need to do to prepare to understand him and his plans. But all of us can find safe passage onwards to our salvation. This is our study for tonight. Let us stand, brethren, and we shall pray together. Everlasting Abba, yes, Yahuwah Almighty, yes, thank you so much yes. for showing us your will. Amen. We know the events taking place today yes. are not by accident. Yes. They are there because of the unfolding of prophecy. Yes. We know you have a plan for redemption. Yes. There are many things we do not know. Yes. Secrets that belong only to you. Yes. But you have revealed so many things in your holy book yes. that we have yet to uncover. Okay. We plan to do so in the near future. Yes. May you guide us with your Holy Spirit yes. that we will properly understand them, yes. that we can be fully prepared that on that day when you will send your begotten son, we can all be embraced by salvation. Amen. Teach us to be patient with our fellow brethren, yes. to love them, to embrace them. Yes, yes, we know there can be times when we have differences of opinion. Yes, There can be moments when we are angry with one another. Yes. But may your love prevail at all times. May you cleanse our hearts yes. of bitterness that corrupts, bitterness that defiles. Yes. Teach us. Teach us, loving Abba, yes. to show that we are your sons and daughters yes. by loving even those who hate us, yes. by showing good things and being kind to everyone. Amen. Equip us with this ability because yes. we know love, true love, covers over a multitude of sins. Amen. Yahusha, our King and Mashiach, yes. we know your appearing is coming soon. Yes. We look up to you. We prepare for you. Yes. May you please prepare our hearts and minds. We ask that you please give us insight yes. by means of your spirit. Because we want to understand. We yes. want to truly see. We want to truly hear. Yes. So that we can be fully prepared on the day you appear again. Amen. Father, may you please bless your people throughout the world. Yes. Shower upon us your grace. May you heal all of us at all times. Amen. We ask and beg everything, loving Abba, yes. in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahusha HaMashiach. Amen. Amen. Amen.